My name is Janiqua Charles. I live in the Bronx in New York City. My name is Marvin Mayfield. I'm 55 years old. I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Born into a pretty rough neighborhood in Bedford-Stuyvesant. My name is Nishan Jackson. My friends and family call me Prince. I'm from Nassau County, living in Hempstead. You're listening to Audio Interference, produced by Interference Archive. Interference Archive is a social space, exhibition venue, and OpenStax archive of social movement materials. Our work is rooted in the belief that our shared history should be held in common and accessible to all. In this episode, we're speaking with Marvin Mayfield, Nishan, Prince Jackson, and Shaniqua Charles about their work with the Criminal Justice Reform Organization, Just Leadership USA, and their work with the Free New York Campaign. Just Leadership USA is dedicated to cutting the U.S. correctional population in half by 2030. They empower people most affected by incarceration to drive policy reform. We were particularly interested in their New York statewide campaign, Free New York, to learn more about their criminal justice reform work going on outside of New York City. Free New York is an idea to free people from arbitrary policies oppressive laws, anything in which we feel that imposes some type of violation to a citizen or immigrant for that matter, Free New York is there to hear you, to consider your claims. What we do is we take these claims back to the table, the think tank, and we determine exactly how can we make this a public issue. The Free New York campaign targets pre-trial reform, so changes to laws that govern processes before a defendant arrives in court. On any given day, there are 25,000 people who are detained and incarcerated across New York State. Nearly 70% of the people in New York County jails are being held pre-trial, so they're being held in jail while legally innocent. There are three main categories of reform that Just Leadership USA is fighting for. One, bail reform. Seeks to eliminate money bail, which punishes legally innocent people and disproportionately criminalizes people experiencing poverty and people of color. New York spends $42 million per year to jail misdemeanor defendants held on bail amounts of $1,000 or less. In many cases, these uh, underrepresented people are discriminated against and they're brought into, uh, into the system. The average person that gets a misdemeanor, the average bail is anywhere between $500 and $1,000. But for a person that's uh, unemployed, you know, has no real means of support, $500 might as well be $500,000 because they couldn't reach it. Two, discovery reform. Or the right to an informed defense. New York prosecutors and police are not required to provide police reports and other crucial evidence until just before trial begins. 97% of criminal cases in New York end in a plea deal. 
This means that thousands of individuals being prosecuted in New York plead guilty before seeing the evidence collected by the police and prosecutors. People plead guilty because they feel like they have no other way to fight their case. Three, the right to a speedy trial. Though we supposedly have a Sixth Amendment right to a speedy trial, New York State operates on a prosecutor readiness rule model, which means that the prosecution is primarily in charge of the court date and can change it on a whim. What happens is uh, people get arrested and for lack of availability to get out on bail, they're subject to the backlogs in court. And sometimes if you uh, decide to uh, exercise your, your rights and have a trial by jury, it can take two to three years to get to that point. Uh, we want to see justice done in the form of uh, having these uh, speedy trial laws actually implemented where uh, there can only be a certain amount of time that a person can languish in prison or, or in jail while they prepare for a trial. Free New York seeks to mandate enforceable, concrete timelines by which a person must be brought to trial to close loopholes in the way that time is counted on the speedy trial clock. We now hear from Prince about being held in Suffolk County Jail for 24 months without trial. Um, I was arrested on November 24, 1992 for a crime of murder that I was never charged with. What do you mean? I was never indicted a grand jury of Suffolk County never accused me of committing this crime. So when I got arrested, without a warrant, um, I was brought before a local criminal court. But before that, we had to go through the preliminary proceedings, which is the police um, gathering information, interrogating you. And during that course, I suffered from excessive use of force. My rib was fractured. I sustained multiple bruises on my face and my neck. All that was brought before the local criminal court judge and who directed I get medical attention. That never happened. But I was denied bail. The prosecutor argued that it was a, there's a possibility that there may be, there may be some type of flight risk, but with no evidence. I never absconded from the law ever in my life. So the judge bought into that argument, and I was denied bail. So, for a period of 24 months prior to trial, I was held in Suffolk County without bail. I suffered because I was an hour and a half away from my family in Suffolk County. I live in Nassau County. Bullpen therapy consists of having to wait and wait to see a judge, and you never see the judge. I endured that hardship. But, however, being that I maintained my innocence, I never allowed those conditions to discourage me to plead guilty. Unfortunately, a lot of people does, normally does that, but me, I held on to my guns. So I went to trial, and the thing about it was a lot of evidence that I was entitled to was never given to me. So I was held in the county jail for 24 months without bail, denied the right to a speedy trial, because who stays in jail and go to trial two years later? What happens to the witnesses? They're no longer available. People's lives move forward. People have the tendency of forgetting things. Shaniqua talks about how impactful even short amounts of time in jail are. I'm a uni parent who uh, is responsible solely for getting my daughter to the school bus on time, getting her off the school bus, cooking her food, bringing the income into my home, paying my bills, 
raising her in such a way that she is a sustainable, fruitful human being in the world amongst all of the other obligations, organizationally, civically, and the like, to go missing for seven days and not have a support system that can pick up all of those pieces would drastically impact my life. In March of this year, Just Leadership USA and partner organizations took a trip to the state capitol to lobby and present to the legislators the reform bills they want passed. Here we hear from Shaniqua about what that was like. We took 200 people to Albany, and throughout the entire lobby day, we were broken up into many different groups, Just Leadership, organized with partner organizations. And on that day, you had a group of us that were going around speaking to um, policymakers and lawmakers, literally like in their offices with appointments. We're handing them physically their, our, um, the bills that we want introduced into legislation. You had another group that was disrupting the flow, their regular flow, by doing things like speak out in front of offices where it's loud and it draws attention and it, and it heightens people's awareness as to what the issue is and why we're actually there. We had rallies and all of these things were happening simultaneously. We had rallies in the streets where folks are marching through the street in the snow. In addition to a strong presence in Albany, Just Leadership USA is also engaged in city council and town hall meetings in Nassau County to rally the community around holding politicians accountable for the jail conditions. Prince describes one such meeting. So we had sent out throughout the community of Nassau County an invite and we wasn't expecting too many people to come, but I was reserved because that never happened before. So people, sometimes curiosity alone brings people out of the woodworks. So I was right. We didn't have enough seats. The thing about this town hall meeting and what was so unique about it is that you have so many different people from different backgrounds there. We fed people. Everyone had a good time. Nobody wanted to leave. I mean, you had people standing up during the whole time. It was two hours standing up. We had lawyers on, on the on the um, on the panel, and we had um, we had one member. Um, the mayor was there also, and we just shared with the people our idea and how they could support us in this plight of ending mass incarceration in the state of New York. What's unique about Just Leadership USA is that their work is led by folks who've been directly impacted by the carceral system. Investing in the leadership of folks who are directly impacted by the problem that we're trying to solve was a new concept to me. And that's why Just Leadership USA was, you know, um, at the forefront of me wanting to give energy and space into, you know, decarcerating America in half by 2030 identifying people who have been um, directly impacted, uh, arrested, incarcerated, and we specifically focus on those areas. You know, there's three different tiers in which you can participate or support the work of Just Leadership USA. Either, you know, the people that are leading the work, those of us who are leading the work are directly impacted. So that's the first, that's the first step, right? Identifying those people and empowering them because usually we're the farthest from resources and power, right? Like you can't even get a job when you come out. 
you, you know what I mean? You, you can't go to college when you come out. You can't, you know, go to go to the bar and, and become a lawyer when you come out because there's all these restrictions on formerly incarcerated folks. Then holding town halls where you're educating the public. A lot of folks who don't have to be looped into the criminal justice system on the receiving end of it really don't understand what's going on. So these are just some of the steps that organizationally we've done and have taken to um, pressure legislators who, who work for us. <laughs> like, right, we voted you in and our tax money pays your salary, technically, literally, and figuratively. These folks have to serve to what is best for the community of folks that they are supposed to be um, serving. So applying pressure, going straight to Albany, sitting with them in their offices, making sure that we're lobbying on behalf of the interests of the people who are being destroyed. You know, um, have legislators that get piles and piles of like bills that various folks just want introduced and it's sitting on their desk. Every legislator that we meet with and we sit down in their office with, and usually it is the legislator himself and or their chief of staff. So we've never, we never go to an office and just leave an envelope on a desk. We always have that in-person meeting. And every single time we do that, the legislator always says, wow, this really makes a big difference. For me, it's always maximizing one's human resources because I believe, I mean, I borrowed the rhetoric from back in the 70s, power to the people. You know, the power lies within the people. But the people have surrendered their power as a result of their ignorance because they don't want to know. Why they don't want to know is because their minds are preoccupied with living, trying to survive and trying to make ends meet. They don't have time to worry about inmates in prison. I don't have an inmate in prison, so why should I be concerned about that? So we're trying to attack that attitude to show them that, okay, if you just totally dismiss that, you're paying into a dilapidated system. You're paying into a corrupt system. You're aiding and abetting corrupt people to harm members of your community. I grew up in, in a pretty pretty tough neighborhood in, um, in, uh, in Brooklyn, in Bed-Stuy, back in the 70s, where there was a lot of crime, a lot of drugs. And uh, it was pretty much a slum. The police were, were uh, all white. They couldn't relate. They didn't really relate well with the, uh, the people who lived in the neighborhood. And going to jail, getting involved in crime, getting, in, getting involved in drugs was almost, uh, almost expected, almost a, a, a rite of passage during that time. A lot of friends of mine were incarcerated for life. A lot of friends of mine and family died early because of these things, you know? So um, I always kind of thought to myself that I was culpable for my behavior and for the circumstances that I found myself in. But the more I observe after being incarcerated and uh, reading and learning and then going to school, I found out that there are a lot of underlying circumstances that created the, uh, the conditions that, are, that impede the progress of a, of a people. And um, I wanna get that message out. I wanna let a lot of people know that even though we suffer from these issues and, and have been labeled and have been marginalized, 
I think that knowing that there was a, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, knowing that there was a scandalous uh, intent behind it, right, will empower people to to get out of those um, those those that negative uh, thinking, and to let them know that we don't we don't have to stay um, marginalized. The uh, prison industrial complex is a big business and they thrive only on bodies and human beings. It's a, a warehouse of humanity that I cannot see continue. Thank you to Shaniqua, Prince, and Marvin for speaking with us and sharing the important work that they're doing. If you would like to learn more about Just Leadership USA, you can find a link to their website in our show notes. You can also check our episode about the Brooklyn Community Bail Fund and the Close Rikers campaign. Link also in our show notes. You've been listening to Audio Interference, produced by Interference Archive. The archive is collectively run and volunteered powered. If you like what you heard today, consider making a donation to help keep the archive up and running. Just go to interferencearchive.org and click on donate. From all of us at Audio Interference, thanks for listening.